1130 here at KRVN on Monday, the first day of March, which, by the way, is Nebraska's birthday. Happy birthday, Nebraska, 154 years old today. Tyler Cavalli along with you. We'll hear from Jason Jorgensen in sports. Busy weekend in sports here in just a moment. Bob Rogan will join us to uh, talk about uh, how the stocks are performing here to start this new month. Temperatures, by the way, looking beautiful across the region, mostly 40s. We'll see 50s. Some areas will see 60s. Most of us will see 60s by tomorrow. We'll hear more about that with Paul Perkins. But let's talk with our owner, Susan Littlefield, to give us a preview of what's to come today on Midday. And uh, Susan, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Happy 1st of March. That's right. Feels good to get through those first two months. And uh, maybe we'll make some headway and see some consistent warmer temperatures. Yes, but as an old-time farmer reminded me, March came in like a lamb, and then he says, God help us mm, <laughs> for the mm-hmm. end of the month. That's you right. You know that old saying, <laughs> in like a lion, out like a lamb, vice versa. That's right. What do you well, have for us today? Well, kicking it off at 1219 will be Alex as she talks with Anne-Marie Bosshammer of the Nebraska Beef Council, sharing the Nebraska beef export promotion and uses that are underway. Then coming up at 12.45, Good Sports. That's a new sport drink that's out there, but what's really cool about this, it's derived from 97% milk. Hmm. It's got the support of the dairy industry, but it is a clear sports drink. And they had a researcher do some comparisons to some other leading sports drinks, which will go unnamed. Um, And Good Sports came out on top with health and quality and the fact that it uses a byproduct when they're making cheese. So we'll talk more about that at 1245. Then I'll wrap up everything at 117. As we all know, it was definitely cold here just a few short weeks ago. And what does that mean for our winter wheat crop? A lot of it depends on when the crop was planted. We'll find out from both the USDA and Kansas State University what they're seeing out there. All right, very good. Look forward to it and uh, quench our thirst, per se, if you will, with that new sports drink. Yeah, no kidding. Appreciate it, Susan. All right, let's turn things over to Su- or to uh, Jason Jorgensen and sports. And Well, Nebraska men's basketball, <laughs> they uh, have a comrade down. As the world turns, you know, you couldn't write this in a soap opera this year. Two games removed from scoring 41 points for the Huskers. Teddy Buckets, Teddy Allen says, so long, he's quit the team. It is an interesting play uh, with... <laughs> Two games left, and probably three. I think, yeah, I think there might be four. Okay. Well, either way. Either way. A handful of games. It's a it's a Bush League move. So he's deciding to leave because he is going to try to prepare for the next level, which, what level is that? Who knows? Overseas. He could probably tear it up in Norway. Okay. I, Israel. I, I mean, as long as, we're not, stop as long as we're not talking about NBA, because I don't see it. I don't know. So we'll give everybody the lowdown on that. Also, district final basketball action tonight. You will be in Minden calling the Southern Valley BDS game. Tip off at 630 over on 93.1 the river. If you need anything, you let me know. I know some people down there. <laughs> they can take care of you, Tyler. Are they going to let me in the door? Since they will I'm not let Jason you Jorgensen? in the door. All yes. right. You got me on the VIP then. I did. Okay, very good. Well, I look forward to it. I'll get the Jason Jorgensen treatment. I am sure of it. All right, let's turn things over to uh, Bob Brogan. Bob, how are stocks performing on this uh, Monday? Well, global shares are rising today, lifted by uh, hopes of President Joe Biden's stimulus package. Uh, Lots of focus on that right now. That's affecting the markets. Meanwhile, the new uh, Johnson & Johnson shot, the injection, that's going to start going out. Well, actually, it already has. The vaccine started going out already Sunday night. So lots of excitement around that as well. So those are some of the details, some of the stories we're following.
Time for regional ag weather update. Paul Perkins now joining me here in the studio. And well, how about the start to the week, Paul? We're seeing uh, pretty much 40s across much of our listening region. Yeah, already getting close to what we see for usual daytime highs this time of year. Many of us with temperatures in the low and mid-40s, at least in Nebraska. And then temperatures more so into the mid-tupper 40s on into northern Kansas and northeast Colorado. The cooler end of those temperatures right now into north-central northeast Nebraska. Closer to a little more snow cover in those temperatures, mainly in the 30s right now. Still down to 32 at Wayne, but a lot of us enjoying lots mm-hmm. of sunshine and snow melt going on. And <laughs> the good news is going to continue. We're going to see these warmer temperatures uh, continue throughout the rest of the week. Yeah, probably some cases of spring fever coming up this week because the temperature is going to stay well above normal through at least the weekend and potentially longer in our long-term forecast. And not expecting a lot of um, uh, wind either. Yeah, uh, those winds probably increasing a little bit as the week goes on. But, yeah, overall not expected to be a very windy event uh, today. Pretty light on the winds. A slight increase as we head towards tomorrow through the weekend. But uh, yeah, nothing too major right now. And a lot of sunshine as well to, yes. talk, to speak of. <laughs> and enjoy it because sunshine for today. Temperature is about 5 degrees warmer than average. It gets better after this. Westerly winds today mostly light as high pressure builds in from the west. Winds will be more from the southwest for tomorrow through Thursday. That means even milder daytime highs. 15 degrees warmer than usual on into the upper 50s to low 60s. Even some mid-60s and warmer southwest areas by the uh, over the next several days. Warmer temperatures from possibly gusty winds and lower humidity will increase that fire weather danger, especially as you head towards the drier areas of the southwest. Low pressure tracks across the southern plains by Thursday night. That could result in some light precipitation. This system, though, going to be well to our south. Temperatures will be warm enough also for the precipitation to be mostly rain, but there is a little chance for a mix of rain and snow as we head towards Friday morning if it does get cold enough, but nothing major on the horizon for any snowstorms. Saturday and Sunday, we return to dry weather as a ridge of high pressure builds back onto the plains and temperatures continuing to be much milder than normal. Temperatures stay mild in our long-term forecast. Above normal temperatures likely to stick around in Nebraska, Kansas, and the central and eastern U.S. for this weekend all the way through March 14th. Mainly dry weather with slightly below normal precipitation predicted for Nebraska and Kansas this weekend and very early next week. Looking at some better chances of moisture by the middle of next week through March 14th. In the latest spring flood outlook for central Nebraska from the Hastings Weather Service, there's an above normal risk for ice jam flooding along the Platte, Middle Loop, North Loop, Loop, and Cedar Rivers as the ice breaks up this first week of March. The risk for snow melt or heavy rain induced flooding is below normal. Into northern Kansas, the flooding risk is below normal since the snow's already melted and there are no big storms on the horizon. Key weather factors impacting the markets include the continuation of dry and very warm to hot weather in Argentina and wet weather indicated for central Brazil. In the U.S., tranquil weather will prevail nearly nationwide through the mid to late week. Chilly weather in the east will contrast with above normal temperatures in the western and central U.S. Late week temperatures could reach 60 as far north as eastern Montana and the western dakotas in the midwest the drier and mild weather will combine to coax the winter wheat out of dormancy with soil moisture adequate to surplus for the southern plains weekend showers were focused in eastern areas the western southern plains were mainly dry some scattered showers by late thursday and friday may keep the drought from getting worse towards the northern plains drier and warmer conditions this next seven to ten days will continue to increase the drought 
As we head towards spring, central Brazil's widespread rain this last week causing more delays for soybean harvest and second crop corn planting. Producers, though, have been working around the rain the past couple of weeks. The second crop corn planting in Mato Grosso, just 55% complete. That versus 92% this time last year, raising production risk if the crop pollinates during the dry season. Argentina's primary crop areas had well under half the average precipitation this last month. The week ahead will continue the dry trend and temperatures mainly above normal weather that's stressful for they're filling corn and soybeans. So for those that are calving right now, this is optimal forecast for them. The temperatures during the day are going to be nice at night and early morning. Not going to drop too too cold overall. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, temperatures of 15 degrees above normal during the week here. And yeah, with those temperatures barely getting below freezing, uh, pretty good conditions right now. Okay, very good. And for the areas out west, it's kind of where they didn't see as much snow cover. That's kind of what we're seeing and keeping an eye on for uh, fire danger. Yes, uh, southwestern areas, that uh, snow melt, of course, going away sooner. And so the, uh, definitely some drier conditions with the dry grass in place out there. And, of course, getting pretty brown rather quickly across the rest of the region, too. That's very true. All right, very good. For a full weather forecast, where can somebody find that? Weather page, krvn.com. <laughs> The U.S. Meat Export Federation shared some information recently about how Nebraska beef exports are being used in other countries. And today we're learning more with Anne-Marie Bosshammer. She's the executive director of the Nebraska Beef Council. Anne-Marie, we have this information about how exports are being used, but also how Nebraska is promoting beef in other countries. Tell us a little bit more about this. Well, obviously, Japan is a huge uh, importer of beef from the United States and especially Nebraska. Um, but, you know, social media is a very key component to the Japanese consumer and marketing. And so they've been doing um, a contest on Instagram where they're providing a, a U.S. beef gift package to some of these people that are that are purchasing beef and they're in- encouraging them to make the beef and take a picture of it and post it on Instagram and providing all those hashtags that help get us that additional extension through social media. We've also, um, in Shanghai recently, there has been a hot pot tasting event with one of the very large super city super retail stores in Shanghai. Um, and it's promoting um, our beef over to the Chinese consumer. Um, and this is a good deal because at this time, Time, um, the Australian product is in short supply. So, you know, anytime we can take over um, the market share from another country and replace it with U.S. beef, we, we really like to see that happen. Another thing is we're doing hot pot promotions over in Vietnam. The hot pot dishes are really popular over there. And in, in one of the one of the retailers that I cannot pronounce, they are a leading importer of frozen meat into Vietnam, and they are doing a lot of different promotions with the hot pot dishes. So we've got a lot of different things going on. And I also find that it's really important to always remind people that, you know, the export market is a great place for us 
to sell those items that we are not going to consume here in the United States, such as sweetbreads. And um, sweetbreads is a culinary name for the pancreas. And right now, we've got more than 7,000 metric tons um, that are being exported to Mexico as a major, uh, major market for us. It's very high in vitamin C and an inexpensive protein source. And they're, they're served roasted or fried. I'm not sure how many of us have ever eaten them that way. But again, this is the reason why foreign marketing is so important to us so that we can have that outlet for products such as, such as sweetbreads. I can't say I've ever tried that. Interesting. So Anne-Marie, bring this all home for us. You know, when we, when Nebraskans are producing beef, I think it's easy for us to not even think about where the end product goes, but why is this important for us to be focusing on? Well, because of our our state and the vast amount of beef that is produced here, we are a very large exporter. And that only brings back dollars back into our state, back into our producers' um, pocketbooks, because Nebraska is known worldwide as a leader in high quality beef production and and great tasting steaks and and all beef and so it's important for us um, to not only work with the USMEF but also our Nebraska Department of Agriculture so we can really put that Nebraska spin on all of our promotions. All right thanks so much Anne-Marie. That again is Anne-Marie Bosshammer joining us. She is the Executive Director of the Nebraska Beef Council. Broadcasting today from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska's Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. It's time for Midday News. News Director Dave Schroeder has stepped in and, well, big COVID-19 vaccination Uh, news uh, that we're finding out here, in particular for central Nebraska. Absolutely. Uh, We had the approval at the federal level for that new Johnson & Johnson vaccine uh, over the weekend, and this could be arriving in central Nebraska by the end of the week. Okay, all right. In fact, Two Rivers Public Health Department, based in Kearney, is announcing that the new COVID vaccine from Johnson & Johnson will arrive in their offices this week. It's a one-dose shot with similar health and safety measures as the previous vaccines, which utilizes two doses. A mass vaccination clinic led by Two Rivers Public Health is planned for this Friday, March 5th, at the Viero Center in Kearney. Appointments will begin at 10 a.m. and run through 5 p.m., All appointments will be scheduled and to receive the vaccine. So to register for the vaccine, you must go to the Two Rivers Public Health Department website. Health Director Jeremy Eshelman stated his appreciation for all the partners in the area who have worked so hard with the initial vaccines to get those doses administered to district residents. So just to clarify, you can't just drive up to get it. You have to register first. You have to register first and be notified that you have an appointment. Okay. All right. That's good to know. And again, that website is uh, Two Rivers Public Health Department. And so it's T-R-P-H-D. Nebraska Attorney General Doug Peterson says Nebraska has filed a complaint in Saunders County District Court alleging multiple environmental violations by Alt-N LLC. Alt-N is an ethanol plant located near Mead. Peterson says the complaint alleges several violations of the law. But as to the lawsuit, we're going to diligently enforce this. 
to me, it's one of the clear cases of a corporation coming in and failing to be a good partner with the environmental standards that we have in Nebraska. And when they fail to comply with clear directives, they leave us no other alternative but to come in and file this type of lawsuit. Well, Alt-N was originally permitted to produce ethanol using field corn as its primary feedstock. However, Alt-N was using discarded, treated seed corn rather than normal field corn to produce its ethanol. The treated seed corn resulted in byproducts that were contaminated with pesticides, including contaminated distiller's grains and contaminated wastewater. In 2019, the Department of Ag determined that the distiller's grain contained pesticides, and since then, Alt-N has been prevented from land applying the distiller's grain as a soil conditioner. Authorities in western Kansas say a man has died in an accidental shooting. It happened Friday afternoon near Hayes. The Ellis County Sheriff's Office's deputies responded to a call a few miles west of Hayes in a rural area. They found 72-year-old Raymond Nyman of Hayes next to a vehicle with a single gunshot wound to his chest. Nyman was pronounced dead at the scene. Investigators say Nyman had been a passenger in the vehicle and was apparently shot as he was trying to secure the shotgun in the back of the vehicle. Officials have ruled his death as accidental. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Dave Schroeder. We all know the importance of milk, especially after a workout. But have you thought about it ahead of the game? Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. I had that discussion with Michelle McBride. She is founder of Good Sport. It's a drink that utilizes dairy and has the support of the dairy industry. So I, I came up with the idea really because... I have children in sports, and my son, every time he'd go to a game, would be offered sports drinks filled with artificial ingredients, and I didn't want him drinking that. We tried all the natural sports drinks, but they didn't taste great. He didn't want to drink them, and I learned that they didn't provide any level of hydration beyond plain water. I was really looking for a sports drink made from a natural source that would provide truly effective hydration. I would bring him chocolate milk as a healthier alternative to drink after his games. And that's really what led, that that was really the chocolate milk was the inspiration to look at milk as a source of hydration. Well, we've known for years, and I think more recently we've seen the big push about the importance of of giving milk, especially chocolate milk, because every kid likes it, to your athletes. So how did you come up with this? The Good Sport Nutrition Explain the process of getting this product to the to the marketplace. Yeah. So first and foremost, you know, it started with research. We're, everything was, you know, everything we do is backed by science. And so even from, the, from day one when I had this idea, I did some research and I learned that milk is, yeah, and yes, chocolate milk has been, you know, consumed for recovery. The proteins are a great source of, of proteins, high quality proteins, great for recovery. But I was looking for a source of hydration, and I learned that milk is packed with electrolytes and has the right balance of carbs that you want to provide effective hydration, and that there were scientific studies showing that milk is more hydrating than traditional sports drinks and water. I was totally blown away. So I said, I got to try to do this, make a sports drink from milk. 
The challenge is that milk's protein content, while great for after working out, is not so great for before and during a workout because it's slow to digest and it can sit in your gut and, you know, cause, cause some issues when you're trying to run or move around. So our challenge was to figure out how to unlock the hydrating power of milk and in a, in a refreshing sports drink. And so we worked closely with the Center for Dairy Research at the University of Wisconsin, who showed us that we could use ultrafiltration to remove the proteins and harness the electrolytes, carbs, and vitamins to create a thirst-quenching and refreshing sports drink made from milk. How exciting. And to be able oh, to see that research unfold right in front of you. Oh, I'm the day I went to the lab and we did it, I literally was teary-eyed. I was so, really, like, moved. <laughs> so excited. So as you look at this, kids are all about taste. And yep. so how, how does it taste? And, and what has been the reaction from folks that you've had taste the product? Well, the reaction has been fantastic. Uh, you could see it at our website, goodsport.com. It's clear. It's a clear drink just like you would expect from a sports drink um, because it's the protein in milk that, that gives milk its white milkiness. <clears throat> and so when we remove it, we're left with this clear part of the milk um, that's so nutritious and, and healthful. But the great part is that we developed unique and proprietary flavor systems for the product. So it's, they're delicious. It comes in four flavors, lemon, lime, fruit punch, wild berry and citrus and you can ask my kids you know they they were there to taste the early prototypes and tell you this is much better <laughs> than where we started but no the the feedback has really been people i keep hearing i'm addicted which is amazing because we've only been you know available for a few weeks but people are really loving the flavors they're refreshing and light and very thirst quenching so we need to rewind a little bit they're clear sure. Yes. They're not like you would think of, of, of a milk product to be. Correct. They're what you would expect from a sports drink. And what's so interesting and cool about it, too, is that we're able to sustainably you know, produce the product because dairy companies often ultra-filter milk to make products like whey protein powder or cheeses. They capture the protein during the ultrafiltration process and use the protein in those applications. And then they're not able to use the part of the milk that we use to make good sport. So we work with dairy companies that would otherwise not use this part of the milk and rescue and upcycle it to make good sport. So it is a win-win for all entities. It is. It is. It's, um, you know, proven hydration. We've had it scientifically tested um, our, our, head, our chief hydration officer is Dr. Bob Murray, who is uh, very well known in the sports nutrition and hydration space. Used to be the, uh, he was the founder and director of the Gatorade Sports Science Institute. And so he wanted to make sure that we not only made this great tasting, refreshing and clear sports drink from milk, but that it would do what we wanted it to do, provide truly effective hydration. You can read more about it and the support that's coming from the dairy industry by going to GoodSport.com. I'm Susan Littlefield, the Rural Radio Network.
ACM New Male Artist of the Year nominee, Parker McCullough, is coming to Red Dirt on the River Saturday. Friday, March 12th, at the Viero Center in Cardiff, with special guests, Chancey Williams and the James Lee Band. Tickets available at CarneyEvents.net. Doors open at 6 p.m. Parker McCullough at Red Dirt on the River. Presented by the Viero Center, Joe's Concerts, and 93.1 The River. There's been concerns about this year's winter wheat crop. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the World Radio Network. We all dealt with the great polar experience of 2021, and it's come and gone with record-breaking cold temperatures and a week and a half below freezing. And that, of course, has raised a lot of questions when it comes to winter wheat. Now, the extensive winter kill might result in the severe and persistent cold, and what's all going to happen? Well, K-State has a production specialist, Romolo Lolato, and he says that the soil temperatures are the key, and winter wheat can endure low temps to a point. It usually can handle temperature in the in the low teens fairly well, as far as soil temperatures go. There was variability across the state. If we look at our mesonet stations, some of them reached very concerning values. Uh, some of them reached 12 to 14 degrees Fahrenheit, which is like on that borderline to actually cause some damage. Now, interestingly, if we look at the central part of the state, the majority of the soil temperatures in that region, they were maintained above 20, which is a safer place to be. If the soil temperatures start getting below the low teens and into the single digits, uh, that's where we actually get concerned and we can start seeing some potential for a winter kill. Lolato believes that with the extent of winter kill has probably been fairly limited, but even so, producers should watch for the indications of damage as the weather starts to warm up. Once the temperatures start warming up and we start having some growth, some spring green up, then that's the, the time that we need to look for whether the crop is greening up and we see new leaves coming out of each plant. That is a really good sign that the crop made it through fine. Although it's important to note that it can green up and, and die back again, right? So, so there's really, we're probably looking mid-March before we can actually have a pretty good judgment of what happened. And the planting date for a given stand could figure heavily into the winter kill question. For that relates to all important development of the roots. Growers that planted relatively early and were able to capitalize on that September rainfall, uh, the crop got off to a good start. And I think it had a good development and a good root development as well that probably helped it make through. Now, a lot of the state got planted relatively late, or not even planted late, it really emerged late because we didn't have moisture conditions for good emergence early on. That late emerged crop is really what concerns me more, again, because that plant didn't have as much time to get cold hardened, doesn't have as many tillers out there to make through the winter, and just doesn't have a good root development to help it make through the winter either. Giving us a perspective of winter kill damage to the Kansas wheat crop, K-State's wheat production specialist, Romolo Lolato. Across the nation, USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey has some numbers for winter wheat as of February 21st. We are looking at winter wheat in the major production states, ranging from the best of 11% very poor to poor in Montana and 14% in Oklahoma to the other end of the spectrum, where we see 29% very poor to poor 
in Colorado and 31% in Texas. Some of that Texas very poor-to-poor rating could be related to some of the freeze impacts. We did see 22% of the Texas winter wheat crop all in the southern part of the state had already headed out at the time of the February deep freeze. And it is possible that some of that heading wheat will not be able to produce grain because it was hit at a very sensitive time in terms of its development. Checking out winter wheat in the U.S., I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Playpen on the Rural Radio Network as we see, check in on the closing grain markets with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. John, as I take a look at the settlements here, soybeans go from being one of those to trying to hold the line to almost a leader to the downside here in afternoon trade. Anything really to glean from this, or are we still just kind of in a range-bound market just wanting to test a little bit of the bottom side of it? Oh, I think it's probably the latter to a certain degree. Still, the price is somewhat elevated here, so... Think back to where we've been the last few weeks, you know, 1360, 1350, those have all been, been traded here. Don't know if there's a whole lot of appetite for prices to fall much below that, but, you know, we've got the delivery upon us. You have South American supplies that are hitting, you know, boats leaving for China. So, you know, there's not supply coming from this country anymore. Um, I think that's seasonally just pushing on the trade here. And you can see it's, it's light volume and, and the market, you know, jostling between the low 1390s and the high, you know, 1420, low 1420s really. Uh, much similar to what we've seen the last few weeks. So I don't think I'm ready to call tops anywhere. Uh, you know, we've got uh, inverted markets as we go into delivery here. So short-term here, maybe some weakness in the deferred, but long-term I think it'll come back. We see Stonex come out with their latest uh, producer estimates out of South America, more specifically Brazil. They actually increase a little bit on their soybean production, but they drop it in their corn production numbers. What's your take on that? Well, I think it's, Probably the last thing that's needed here. I mean, soybeans, in their in their reality, you know, there's going to be ample supply in the short run in Brazil. I think a lot of the what you know is bought is dependent on what China does, and that's just a specific market there. But when it comes to corn, uh, you have a lot of different, more of a diversification of who's buying it. And I think you, you could look at some serious problems here as we get into the summertime, as far as low supplies. The U.S. exports don't tend to top out till May, so we've got more run here in the, in the short run and. Uh, all in all, I think the, the lack of supply coming out of South America is the lake that's you know needed in the near term to support prices. But to get mar- the market to really move to the upside, I think you got to have problems coming from South America. So, or I'm sorry, from this country, and that'll be you know planning progress and all those things we'll get into uh, in the near term. So tonight we'll get our first crop. I'll look at the the KC crop and the USDA crop reports, and then now we go forward every Monday. We'll get some updates on planting and and then conditions, and then eventually harvest. So the, the year is upon us. As we do start to move into the 2021 growing season, you can learn more about John Payne and how he can help implement risk strategies on your farm or ranch at danielsagmarketing.com. Again, that's danielsagmarketing.com. While you're there, check out John Payne's daily newsletter, which you can sign up for free, and that is This Week in Grain, the newsletter's title. Do remember, above all, though, that trading futures and options involve risk of loss may not be suitable for all investors. Do consider these risks before investing. You can also listen to John as a daily podcast at the newly redesigned ruralradio.com. All right, thank you very much, Clay. That'll wrap up midday here on this Monday, March 1st. For more, you can listen to the Midday Podcast at krvn.com or podcasts are ever available.